This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by the Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. This will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I really liked. I'd hit a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything. You need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You're in. We're in with me, Bram, with per usual, my boy and producer, Marcus. What's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, I am fired up to announce that joining us for the first time, the moderator behind a Warrior subreddit page with more than 460,000 members, an enormous presence on Golden State Twitter, whose victory tweets always make me smile, and a guy who has more than a few restaurant recommendations if you're going to catch a game in Santa Cruz, Mr. Eric Jett. What's going on, Eric? Hey, thanks for having me, Warriors Huddle team. It's a pleasure to be here today. Excited to talk basketball, some hoops with you guys. Yeah, just so you know, you've immediately classed up the joint. I've already given you credit off here. Let's do it on your recording setup is way nicer than mine, man. Hey. If people were looking at this with like no voice on at all, they'd think you were the host and I was just some asshole who brought too large of a microphone to the party. So nicely played right from the jump here. We're using the same mic though. Yeah, okay. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Um, I'm counting down the seconds. Boom. Oh, there we go. M- MT's got a blue yeti as well. Yeah, there, no. there it is. Just leave that right there. Let's Eric, leave that right there. Not. Eric and I are on the same page here. Yep. Fuck you, I have the same mic. Why don't you settle down? And uh, isn't your silver? Here. We told you. We already told you. Silver is <laughs> terrible compared to blue. Silver's the greatest. I'm going to drop as many peas as I can to destroy that pop filter. And Eric, to show you how desperate I am to get in your good graces. So I went to Santa Cruz uh, undergraduate. I am a banana. Oh, right on. Okay. okay, and I, I saw your thing suggesting anyone going to Santa Cruz games, hit me up, and uh, I'll give you restaurant recommendations. To, to show you I'm from there, here's my, uh, here's my suggested day of eating in Santa Cruz. Breakfast okay. at Zachary's, lunch, burrito at Taqueria Vallarta, dinner at the Crow's Nest. How'd I do? Vi- Vallarta 1 or 2? Are you going the west oh. side or the one on east? ready for a follow-up question, Eric. <laughs> 1? Is there a right answer to that? This is uh, not how it's going. What was supposed to happen is you're supposed to go, oh, incredible lineup. I'm not no, it, it is, man. Follow-up. Zachary's, you get yourself a nice Monte Cristo sandwich there. And uh, oh. you cruise Vallarta. I, I, grew up, uh, I grew up in La Selva Beach, and so I used to go surf Manresa and then or head up to the hook on 41st, and I'd always hit Taqueria Vallarta. This is always the best because you order your food, and you hit the salsa bar, and your burrito is waiting for you before you even sit down. It's so quick, man. I do have to ask you, though, Taqueria Vallarta 1 or 2? It's 2 on 41st for me, man, every time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I knew it. Uh, So I got a bunch of Warriors stuff I want to talk to you about. 
but I'll come clean with you first, man. I got stuff about you. Normally, I try to stock our guests before they come on so I can include it in the intros and kind of ingratiate ourselves. But you are like a hidden celebrity. Dude, I've been reading (laughs) your word forever. I didn't know your fucking name until, you know, five minutes ago. Yeah. So let's jump in. Where are you from? Yeah, so we got a combo, actually, on our account there. It's uh, it's me and my guy, Kevin. Um, the two of us have been co-tweeting out of the GSW Reddit Twitter handle. Um, our, our Reddit group is moderated by a team of volunteers. There's like six of us that are maybe, I'd say like four or five of us that are actively filtering out content online, essentially just trying to keep the conversation on track and related to Warriors. Our goal is not to censor anyone but rather to just make sure that we're not like you know you know it's not the place to discuss how bad the lakers are it may be relevant at times like when we're beating them or uh, <laughs> you know just trying to keep the conversation moving in the right direction um filtering out like hate speech and things like that so it's more of a hands-off approach there and then with the twitter handle um initially you know we felt like we should have some representation for the reddit brand that we have on twitter and uh, Kevin is the one that kind of fired it up. He gained access to the account. Someone, one of the older moderators that's no longer modding with us had created the account. So he started tweeting out a lot of the CBA information and contract information. That's really his wheelhouse. So Kevin is the per- is like the genius behind all the CBA content. And then I hopped in too. And then we started saying, hey, you know, CBA stuff is good. The overseas stuff is good. It's kind of become our niche. But it's probably not really a great representation of what's actually on the subreddit. So last year, we started tweeting across kind of like the best highlights that come through Reddit. So like the spiciest memes, the funniest takes, the video clips that led us to starting to create some of our own content as well. And we had pretty explosive growth uh, on Twitter last year. So, you know, we're we're volunteers. Um, We're fans. We're we're big time Warriors fans. We don't make any money doing what we do at all. It's just because we love hoops and we love Warriors. And we love connecting with people that feel similarly. Marcus, how many of your comments on Reddit have already been blocked by Eric? Do you know? Have you been keeping track of that? Or <laughs> I lost count. I lost yeah, count. That's funny, man. <laughs> More than 50. And should I just be directing these questions to you, MT, since you are, in fact, his mic brother? Or just yes. go, yeah, okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, give us a sense of your sports hierarchy, Eric. So you're, is, are the Warriors by far your number one team? If you're going to sit down and watch sports, is it? Is it yeah, Warriors yeah, first? sure, for sure. I'm, if I'm my hierarchy, I'm watching the Santa Cruz Warriors first, <laughs> and then I might watch Golden State if Santa Cruz isn't on. Uh, no, I'm a big basketball fan, man. It's been like that my whole life. I grew up going to Oracle with my with my old man. He took me to games. He's you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm I'm six foot four. My dad's even taller than me. So I remember him catching T-shirts, dropping from blimps, grabbing hats out of the sky. It's just made my made my whole childhood, man. You know, I've got such great memories of going to the game. Um, it's always been basketball for me. I played basketball in high school. Um, you know, I, I liked baseball, or I, I guess I like baseball. I was I was a big Giants head, like when they were bad, coming into being good through the World Series runs, and kind of as my life has gotten busier and I've had a little bit less time to watch sports as a whole, I pretty much reserve it for watching Golden State. I'll have you know, I don't know, I've been to at least 100 Warriors games over my life. I, I was going yeah. when they were terrible. We used to get in for $5, yeah. hours, you know? For sure. And despite being there 100 times, I've never gotten a T-shirt, never once, not from the okay. T-shirt gun, not from that old-school T-shirt shot or slingshot thing they yeah, had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I am jealous of you, and I can only imagine 
how upset I would have been if I sat down and got all fired up for a t-shirt and was sitting next to your six foot four father. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, there's no way to be immediately washed out. For sure. For sure. Uh, last personal question. Who is it? It'll be a two parter so I can uh, fit them both in your favorite warrior of all time. And then your most hated uh, opponent of all time. You can just go all cut up here. And to give you time to think, I mean, I'll go. I, I was going to say Vontigo Cummings just to get your attention and like really underline I've been there forever, but that's ridiculous, right? So and it's Steph. It has to be favorite. And then least favorite. I'm so caught up in recency bias. You know, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't never take myself out of that. So the only way, I mean, for example, I still hate Bones Highland from like four days ago. Um, yeah, yeah. Right now, I think the person I'd like the Warriors to beat or embarrass in a playoff series the most right now is John Morant. So that's how I'd go. Yeah, I could see that. That's a good pick, man. Um, it's not Steph for me, although I do like Steph. I'm a I'm a Clay Thompson fan. Clay Thompson's my dude. I got some lucky Clay Thompson stance shooting socks that I wear. We never lose when I wear them. Um, the reason I like Clay the most is because he gives the team something that I don't feel like anyone else in the NBA gives any team, which is that Clay can dominate offensively while not needing the ball. Sure. I mean, it's changed a little bit. Like his, his shot efficiency is not quite as good, but you know, we look back to like the 11 dribble game or the 61 points when he had the ball in his hands for like less than two minutes. I don't remember the exact statistic, but I feel like he can quietly go in and drop 30 points a game and not impact any other stars getting their 30 as sure. well. I feel like you could put Clay on any team when he's in his peak and immediately, you know, conversely, we look over it. I mean, I, I feel bad even talking about Westbrook right now because I'm not trying to hop in because the guy is just fucking miserable right now. <laughs> but conversely, like he's a guy or Harden is a guy that they just need the ball and if they can't get it, their team is is bad, you know, and like Clay just doesn't he doesn't draw away from the other people on the court. He just silently stacks an extra twenty points onto your team. It's like a cheat code. Yeah, so Clay, right. Clay's my guy, man. Clay Thompson's my favorite player. Um, if I had to pick who, I don't know. It's not even that it's someone that I dislike. I just think that Anthony Davis is so overhyped, man. I don't think he's a superstar. I think he's like maybe the best role player in the league, but uh, I don't know. It's, that's just my take. I don't think he can carry. If you had said that three years ago, you know, you'd get a lot of pushback. It's hard to catch a lot of pushback now because he's done very little since the bubble. MT, how do you answer that? Most hated player. What what comes to mind? Um, I'm going to go favorite warrior first, just because it's not Steph for me either. It's uh, Tim Hardaway, and more so because he was the player that I was watching when I first loved the Warriors. And, you know, to make sure that we're not, you know, bandwagon fans and we've been fans for a long time post run TMC when we were terrible, we were still fans. But uh, Tim Hardaway was just my my favorite player. He got me to like basketball. I played basketball because I wanted to be like him. I wore the number 10. Um, I tried to do a, you know, UTEP two step killer crossover to be like him. So he's my favorite warrior because he got me to love the game of basketball. Um, to the point I do, and the Warriors. Um, most hated is still Chris Paul for me. Um, those Ooh. those years where we were battling back and forth with the Rockets and, you know, that rivalry was what it was. Um, James Harden always collapsed in the playoffs, so I, I didn't really hate him, but I just hated Chris Paul. It was, just, it was 
unnatural how much anger I would have inside of me um, when I was watching those games and see him flop and see them get so close to knocking us off. So um, he's still going to be my most hated. I don't think anybody's going to going to knock him off that perch. I'll give you something I hate, how you stiff-armed my question to start this. I mean, we didn't ask your favorite player. I know it was fucking Tim Hardaway. I wanted to get right to the person that you hated. <laughs> let's go to Warriors basketball. Um, let's jump into our glass half full. Eric, this is where we look back at recent hoop. You can look at the last game. You can look further than that. Up to you, however far you want to go. Give me something you either like or don't like having gone back uh, through that basketball. Anybody want to go first? Yeah, I'll hop in, man. Uh, I like James Wiseman's efficiency. I like yes. that we we spent so much time talking about him having bad hands or not being ready. And I feel like just in limited minutes, and obviously it's so early in the season, we've seen him catch a lot of passes that I think we would have expected him to drop before. And he's shooting like really good from the floor. I think he's like high 60s percent or almost 70 percent or something like that. He's really he's finishing. And it's just so exciting seeing him seemingly not be limited and feeling confident. And it seems like his he's processing the game better. I just think yep. we're seeing all the things you would hope to see from someone that's just kind of breaking his way back in. Um, I love I, seeing him. I, every time he touches the ball, it feels like I've put money into a slot machine. Yeah. And that's, it's only true for like, like fun new players who you kind of want to see what's going to go down with, you know? And now that he's happy, now that his foundation is laid, it's not always a success, but every time the ball goes to him, I'm kind of excited. I want to see what's going to come up, you know, and it's it's it hasn't been that disappointing. It's been pretty exciting yeah. so far. I definitely feel like I'm I'm driving the James Wiseman hype train and I have been there for a few years. Like when when the first year he came in and we had all those injuries and we were just bad. I still felt like every single game, I, I mean, we were likely going to lose, but I remember feeling like. No, I get to watch this unicorn yeah. play basketball today. Right. And then when he went down with his knee, I was just fucking gutted, man. I'm like, <laughs> I have to watch the rest of this damn season. Like, it's going to be terrible. Like, yeah. It was and devastating. He didn't come man. back for an, an yeah. entire fucking year. It's like, what yeah. is happening? But but he's back now, and things are looking up. Yeah. Maxine, we haven't heard uh, much from you. Give me something you liked or didn't. Well, I sort of, I mean, to piggyback off of that, Howard Beck's profile of James Wiseman I thought was fantastic, especially because – now that you're seeing the joy that he plays with and comparing that to the slump shoulders that he had uh, when he was on the court for us in his rookie season, you know, reading that and getting the context that he was working so hard, meditating every morning and praying and, and working, you know, checking in with his mom to make sure he was okay. He's the type of person, uh, I think, mentally that has the ability to make it through a whole lost season as a number two pick and then come back and not completely combust, but instead be somebody that actually can add value right away. And so it's, for me, I guess, just to sort of underscore Eric's point, the thing that feels particularly good seeing Wiseman succeed on the court is, is having that context, knowing how hard he worked, right? Knowing the, the mental work that he put in and then seeing that pay off in addition to the physical work. Uh, I think it, it, it bodes well for the other folks that are trying, you know, that are working hard in their own lives, trying to make things happen. Because I think what is so magical about watching Steph play is everybody feels like they could be Steph, right? He's the short guy on the court. And so it's, you know, he's not the Kevin Durant that's like, that's a freakish athlete. I don't know how I could ever be like that. You think maybe if I work hard enough, I can make it happen. Wiseman is an amazing athlete. I, I'm not seven foot, right? I'm never going to be James Wiseman. But the mental side of it, it's like, oh, in my own day-to-day -day life, if I can, if, if Wiseman can get through that, then maybe I can get through whatever I'm going through too. And that just feels really good. 
I just want to make sure you are not a seven foot ultra athletic young man. That's not. Yeah, that, that that is, you. it's a big news slash. That's why we're going live. I've been meaning to get this off my chest. True. I am, in fact, okay, I just wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure. I just wanted to make sure I heard you right. Well, Thank you for giving me the space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Six, yeah, six, eleven, and three quarters. I don't think anyone will mistake you for that, but I will say when I logged in, I was like, "Am I on the wrong show, man?" They got me on with Nick Wright. Like, oh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I don't oh, know if you've okay. seen this cat, but he's, yeah, I have. We've had the best take we're going to have today. There's no need to continue. Uh, we can go ahead and just close it up. This is yeah, my bad, man. My bad. No, I, I actually I got in a fight with a bunch of Toronto fans on a plane down to a bachelor party a couple months ago because they all said I was Nick Wright, and it got that's me, hilarious. It was heated. There's a like really good takes. <laughs> Your takes are much. better, I mean, man. Nick Wright with good takes. That's not a bad spot to be. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody said he had good takes. Let's just whoa, keep hey, whoa, two takes. people did, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've had more than one person tell me I look like Jim Brewer and uh, and Derek Carr, and it's because of the dope fiend circles under my eyes. I think right. so. You know, and it, it is what it is. You can't always get you know great comparisons. I'll give you something I like and don't. I'll start with what I don't. It's an easy one. The benches uh, play last night. You know, the, the, they uh. go out of their way to blow an 18 point lead. They make a game in which the Warriors scored what was it, 50 points in the second quarter, actually close to close out. So it's frustrating. We got a question coming up that uh, that we'll deal with it, so I won't go too deep into it. And then I'll go with the most obvious like you can have. Boys, I like having Steph Curry the fuck back in my life. Um, oh, yeah. and the, the idea that his magic still seems incredibly new and special to me is so amazing. You know, I, I haven't seen a lot of magic shows in my life, you know, but I imagine if you see David Blaine do his shit, you know, five times, the tricks get old. I don't care how many times I watch Steph with a quick trigger three or how many times he does any of his mastery on the floor. It still feels new and incredible. And to have that excitement back in my life, I'm on board for. So what do I like? Steph Curry being right here. Yeah, I'm going to go. Actually, what you don't like is what I do like. Um, I like that we are putting these youngsters through these tough times early in the season. It's much better that we do it now than later when the games start to really matter. So I'd rather them take their lumps and learn these hard lessons um, Mm -hmm. and learn how to play and keep a lead um, now. So um, I like that they're going through it and they're learning the hard way. You know, they're not the, the vets that we've usually been accustomed to relying on to hold those leads um what i don't like is that um patrick baldwin jr and ryan rollins were assigned to the g league not because i don't you know think support them i think (laughs) let's go (laughs) exactly eric will have a great time watching them hell yeah Um, but i was just i was looking forward to seeing um a lineup where we are blowing a team out and on the floor is jordan Poole, moses moody kaminga PBJ and Wiseman just to kind of get a glimpse of the future to see what that all team under 23 years old looks like because for a long time they do the look forward of who's what team has the best young core and I think I would have liked to see us put our stamp that we need to be in the top of that conversation I think I think you're gonna see that I do this happened last year as well so Based with the designation of these players being on the 15 man in Golden State, anytime they want to even get a practice in in Santa Cruz, they technically have to announce the designation down to the G League affiliate. So you're going to see this assignment bounce back and forth on like an every 12 hour basis. So that they're going to be down there hustling for today, for example, they had to release that info where the two way players, like last year, you never know, never knew is Quindary going to be 
on the bench in San Francisco right. or is he going to be in Santa Cruz? And, and you couldn't tell because they don't have to make that announcement. So I think we are going to see them down in Santa Cruz for a game and then back up in San Francisco the next day when there happens to be a Golden State game. So Good. I think you're going to get those minutes empty. And it, it underlines Good. the benefit of having them right in our backyard. Marcus, let me sure. give you a follow-up. Um, so I know this is going to – I should have said this in the beginning. This episode also features Bonte Hill. Bonte and I discussed some of these things, and one of the things we talked about was kind of triggered by what you just said, MT. Let me give it to you now. So what we said was that, look – Kerr has a bunch of influences. He's got Popovich influences. He's got Phil Jackson influences. And at the end of last night, he had a chance to follow one of them, right? Popovich is, goes for the win. He can develop players, but he goes for the fucking win. Kerr, I'm sorry, Kerr. Uh, Jackson liked to watch people learn through their mistakes, you know? And so last night, Kerr could have let those young guys kind of sink or swim, you know, learn from your mistakes. Can you pull it out? And instead, he went Popovich. Said, nope, fuck it. Bring the starters back in. Let's get the win. So for you, you were saying, you, you know, you, you liked that they got to develop. Would you have preferred had Kerr just left him in? And, you know, maybe you take the loss, but you get the development. Or do you like the move that he made? I like the move that he made. At the end of the day, you still have to win. And, you know, it's going to be a competitive um, Western Conference. And we need all the wins for the best seed possible. Um, so I think he did the right job in leaving him in for as long as he did. And, um, you know, he had his moments where he called timeout because there was blown defensive assignments and he laid into him. Um, but I think you got to go pop and you got to put the starters back in and make sure that we don't let a game that has to be a win slip away. Eric, follow up for what you were saying, because it's gold. So, you know, you hear light years thrown around for this team and it, it's it's tongue in cheek kind of because Lake said it in a fairly douchey interview. But in some instances, they're on the fucking money, man. And Santa Cruz is one of them. The idea that the Warriors can send people down to their G League affiliate, 90 minute, you know, drive, they practice there and then come up and immediately reimmerse themselves back into the big club is an advantage. But it's an advantage you know more about because you've been watching the shit out of this Santa Cruz team. Yeah. So explain it for us, man. Like, what, what have you seen? How, how does the Santa Cruz club help the big club, in your opinion? It's huge, man. I think Santa Cruz, um, it being in close proximity and them securing both purchasing of that team and then finding like the lease on the land there, Kaiser Permanente Arena, which is built up. There's so much flow back and forth. So David Fatoki, the GM in Santa Cruz, has an office up in Chase. Um, they're constantly in discussion with the roster and the coaching staff. Huh. You've got Steve Kerr's head coach there um, up in Golden State. And then you've got Seth Cooper, who is a player development coach in Golden State that's been given the head coaching job in Santa Cruz is entering his second season. Then Steve's son, Nick is assistant coach in Santa right. Cruz as well. So there's so much synergy there. I know that they're always talking about two way players, developing players back and forth. You got guys driving up back and forth. You've got player development coaches that are traveling with the young guys, helping them find their way um, in Santa Cruz. They're running the exact same sets and plays that they are up in golden state. When you see, I mean, obviously, you know, everyone wants to win. You got like all these G League guys that are trying to make a name for themselves. But it's understood, like when Jonathan Kuminga comes into town, although he may have not taken every G League assignment as seriously as everyone would have liked, like the top brass included, he comes down and, like, hey, what's our game plan for today? It's to get Kuminga 36 minutes plus. Like, huh. that's just, that's our plan. Like, yep. he's got to run. Like, we want to see what, we want to see what he can do. So seeing them come in and then, it's kind of funny, like towards the end of the year, you'd see some adjustments where like, oh, no, we're also going to try and scrape out some wins and see if we can make some money or whatever. But two years in a row, G League franchise of the year in Santa Cruz. So 
it's you know it's good basketball, man. It's a lot of fun. Um, you're you're seeing uh, assistant coach Anthony Vereen in Santa Cruz got promoted up to be a player development coach in San Francisco this year. So you're seeing a lot of these guys and girls that have that are taking jobs in Santa Cruz and really putting in the hard work. The whole infrastructure of the Warriors organization is growing players and staffers from the bottom up in every sphere. Yep. They're really dialing in their whole program, and it's really pretty incredible to see. I feel really lucky. You know, I live close to there and been able to reach out and have some media access there as well. I'm cre- credentialed, credentialed oh, nice. media member. Careful. careful. I feel, I feel that's button. worth mentioning. That's worth mentioning. Hot I am a credentialed issue. media member. Yeah, yeah, very hot button issue. We that's do not have credentials. I hope you're okay with listening to our opinion. I won't jump down that rabbit hole. Instead, I will say that uh, that I'm, I've been to a game in Santa Cruz, had the time of my life, and really wish that I was younger, that, that my time in Santa Cruz as a college student had lined up when they had that team there, man. Um, yeah. They, I mean, shit, it just would have been incredible. And I, shit, even now, I wish I lived closer. I'd get season tickets. Let's do, uh, as the season goes on, uh, let me put you on with um, the PR representative. Because when I was talking to her this year about coming in with credentialing, she uh, she said they they really want to make a push to get some more coverage. Oh, Maybe nice. we can pick a game or two and let's record a podcast afterward. Let's go. If you, if you guys in. are down to travel, hop Fuck. on seventeen. We'll have some uh, tacos at Pericos on River, <laughs> and then we'll cruise on down to the stadium and watch the game. Only Vallarta one for me, but you okay. had me everywhere else. I cannot wait, Good boys. Let's jump into our golden questions. Eric, this is basically our mailbag. Uh, occasionally gets personal, always deals with the Warriors. I did a couple of these with uh, Bonte as well, but I really want your take. And here's our first quote. Heading into the season, everyone was praising Golden State for being deep. Now, after a dookie muffin performance by the bench against Sacto, Warriors chicken little Twitter is saying the sky is falling and the team has no depth. Please, what is the truth? Is this team deep, or do they have a bench problem? Before I throw it to you, Eric, first credit to where it's due. Never heard the phrase Dookie Muffin. Good for you. Also, Warriors Chicken Little Twitter. Another solid take. We do tend to fucking panic. But with that in mind, what do you think, Eric? Is is the because we did we talked on the show. We talked about they've got depth now and and talent at every position. Mm-hmm. And then I know the plus minus has been less than kind to anybody but the starters. So what do you think? I think it's a bipolar take when you look at how like Warriors Twitter reaction was to the roster last season. I mean, you had JTA that found his way to the end of the bench, Damian Lee, who got eviscerated on the TL. Um, I mean, Otto Bielitsa was seemingly unplayable in the in the eyes of Warriors Twitter. So like, are we really that dissimilar? Like in or you're looking at a championship roster, right? Like this is a team that just like won the big dance. So it's like what have we what have we really changed? We're clamoring for more minutes from Moses Moody. We're gonna get that now. The roadway's been cleared. GP two is the glaring omission in the lineup. Like the one that piece or maybe auto that you'd really look at and be like, man, like that would have been nice to retain. Yeah. But you're, you're we're getting Wiseman back, Moody's stepping up. We'll see if Kuminga can find himself some more time. Guy's so athletic. And um no, I think we are deep. I, you know, and this is this is funny because like after the Lakers game too, um, the timeline was saying like, are we going to see the Warriors go NHL NHL style and just sub in five new players? Yeah, we've got right. three lineups that are winning, so it's like, I mean, we've had a little slow start. MT deep it, or not? Um, I think we're deep. Uh, I agree with Eric. I think it's just you know the it's just the Twitter being Twitter. Um, you know, this time last year, three games in, 
we probably were still like, I can't believe we didn't keep Avery Bradley. What a terrible mistake. It wasn't until he dunked on Kelly Oubre that everybody was like, see, I told you we should have kept GP too. So um, everybody except Maxime credits do. He, he called that out. Um, so Erase that part. early on in the season, um, you know, they need time to gel. Um, the, the players who are veterans, you know, Jamichael and, and Dante DiVincenzo, I've never played in the system before. They're learning it. They're figuring it out. All the young guys are having the pressure of having additional minutes and the minutes actually counting, not being more so garbage time. So um, it, it's going to take more than three games to figure it out. I think we're still a very, very, very deep team, probably, um, you know, top five. I think, you know, Clippers and Celtics probably have a strong argument for for being as deep, if not deeper, given the experience on their rosters. Uh, MT, you were making a comment about um, like the adversity of crunch time. Last year, we had a situation where we won all these games on the front end. And I remember like we were winning by so much. It came up like, hey, are we going to have the experience to close out games when they're close? Because we were just running away with wins. And I remember that was a big talking point that came up. Like we're not practiced in situations when we need to win the last two minutes. We're just not. So, you know, last night didn't feel great that we had to win the game twice. And it like, there was a world in which we lost that game. Like they were, they just weren't making it happen. It's like, it's those little moments where you learn how to execute that I think are ultimately beneficial, but you hate to see it, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, of course that's right. Uh, but Maxime, why don't you finish this out on this point? What do you think, man? Deep? Yeah. Uh, yes. But I, you know, I think we got to look at both sides a little bit. I think for me, the buck starts and stops with Jordan Poole. It's very interesting to me to watch the arc of this dude mentally because he comes out in the first game, looks fantastic. We've got the the fallout from the Draymond situation. He got his money. Of course, he's super hyped. But now we're sort of in this lull. And I'm, you know, I, I think we have reason to believe that he's the type of person who's also mentally tough who can say, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push through it. There's, you know, I'm going to continue to work hard because that's how I always have been. Um, but I'm a little bit concerned by... Uh, this apathy coming in time with uh, this big contract. Over under 18 points, Jordan Poole's next game. What do you take, Maxime? I'll take the over. I mean, I got to be optimistic and take the over, right? Like, I, I'm just saying that I think he's the type of person that has the mental toughness to push yeah. forward and come out of this, so he better take the over. Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, before I give us our next question, let me say something I should have right from the jump. Prop up our YouTube channel. We are on YouTube, boys and girls. We are finally out there. If you want to see our made-for-radio faces, no longer costs a dollar. You can just hop up on YouTube and search Warrior Shuttle. And I'll let you guys know what reminded me of it is look, I'm one of these assholes where if my face is on a screen, I can't stop looking at it. It like it sucks like a gravitational pull. And all I can focus on is the fact that I'm pretty sure my left eye is bigger than my right eye. And it's really weird. I don't know why that's true. I don't know if everyone I talk to secretly thinks that. But anyways, if you'd like to weigh in on that incredibly important issue, Hop up on YouTube and let us know. Uh, here is our next question. Quote, the loss to Denver was an emotional roller coaster. Every time I hardened my mind and accepted the loss, the Warriors would make a run and I was vulnerable again. I think that a 20-point loss would have been easier on my psyche. So this person didn't include a question, but uh, I liked the take, so I'll make it a question. Gentlemen, do you prefer blowout losses or nail-biter defeats? Eric, why don't you take us first? I'll take the nail biter, man. You always want to be in it. Um, that's just where I'm at. Like, 
I think whoever wrote that question hasn't sat through a lot of big losses. Like I've caught games where like we're down thirty. I'm like I'm fucking out of here. Like I'm gonna do <laughs> I'm gonna do anything else. I can't watch this for the next hour. Like. <laughs> I'll I'll have you know you can fuck yourself. I'm on the other side. I definitely prefer fucking blowout losses, and I've really? watched a lot of them. Well, here's my problem. I love pain. That's why I I get so emotionally wrapped up in a way that's not healthy for anybody, you know. And so like it's easier for me when they start getting down twenty to just I'm done, you know, like uh, like I'm not I'm not yeah. watching this at all anymore. Whereas like that 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 last loss, the loss to Denver, I kept trying to do that, and then like no, yeah. they're making a comeback, and they take my heart just so they could break it again. Uh, split the tie, boys. What do you guys think? What What do you prefer, blowouts or uh, down to the wire defeats? Nail biters for sure. If it's if it's a blowout, I'm like Eric. I you know if if. I was close to just watching House of Dragon and being like, fuck it. You know, like it's over for this game. So um, it needs to be a nail biter for me to stay engaged. Otherwise, a blowout either way. And I'm just kind of like, oh, well, what's the point of watching this? I'll just catch the highlights after. If House of Dragon has one more fucking time jump, I'm not going to be able to watch that show. I'm already confused, as is Maxime. Save me. Also, you know I hate it when Marcus and the guest agree as much as they have. So, like, apparently they're they're developing this this huge friendship. Be my boy, dude. What do you like? Blowouts or close ones? Listen, good news, Bram. I'm on your side. And here's why. Here's why. I, I I agree in the context of what I need for the team is the nail biters. It keeps me engaged, whatever. But at the same time, I'm worried about my long-term health, man. You know, like I don't want to like go gray or go bald in five years. This shit definitely takes years off of my life. So I would rather live in peace if they're both going to be losses anyways. Is it good that um, only tangentially related – Today, driving my kid to school, she asked me if my hair was sick. And I said, <laughs> what? And she said, oh, it's turning a wrong color. And I'm like, it's been, it, it just, I, you know, I, it, it hurt me. It hurt my soul. Moving uh, to our last segment. This is our look around the league. Look around the league. Eric, good news. I'll get to stop talking here. So for the look around the league. Marcus has done us a favor. He has glanced around the NBA landscape and he's pulled three stories that might be worth our attention. He's going to give us all three stories and then we will vote on which story we want to discuss to make that vote mean something empty. Why don't you stay out of the vote here so that we uh, we've got three people and we can break any ties. What are our stories? Sounds good. First one up. Uh, Apparently, Victor Wembanyama is a pretty good player. So good, in fact, that uh, Adam Silver had to say they're putting teams on the NBA on notice. Uh, they're going to be paying particular attention to the issue of tanking this year. So we can talk about how good Victor is and the fact that tanking is literally going to be in the crosshairs, uh, whatever that means, if it's enforceable. Um, story number two, uh, the Lakers are 0-3, and there's been talks that they should blow it up. Do you agree? Uh, with with the Lakers in any real scenario, trade LeBron, AD, Westbrook, would they blow up the whole thing and start all over from scratch? And story number three, what's a bigger surprise? The fact that the Utah Jazz are 3-0 and or that the Philadelphia 76ers are 0-3? I like all three of these stories. Great job, MT. Um, I saw 
the don't tank story and I saw something attached to it, relegation, that they were they were literally considering the idea of stealing something from the English soccer leagues and introducing the idea of relegation. So that one has my eye. That's where my vote goes is, uh, as we talked about Victor and the tanking scenario. Well, that's very surprising because I feel like I'm surprised that you were even able to say the word soccer without going into convulsions. Look at you. Are we about to have a conversation that includes soccer as a concept? It was relegation I was worried about. I really wasn't sure. Like, I thought that was the word, but I'm not positive. And it came out that, that you guys all nodded. I was really happy because I, I really was on Ted Lasso, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. That's the only reason I do it. That is yeah, 100% sure. right. Football is life. What's your vote, Maxime? Yo, no, I, I, I'm, I'm also pretty compelled by the relegation issue, but I'm curious to hear what Eric has to say. I want to talk some shit about the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good either way, man. Uh, no, I'm, I'm good with either one. We can talk about Victor. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, Let's I'll, talk I'll, about Victor and and have it be how the Lakers shouldn't tank. I would yeah. trade. I would trade LeBron though. I, the idea of the after LeBron has gone from organization to organization to organization, saying, "You know, you want me. You know that I get to make these decisions. Sit back and I'll build this team." If this one ends with the Lakers being like, "Go fuck yourself," you're out of here. You know that there is there, there's a real entertainment value to that. So you you leave got me there, Eric, for sure. But I also, as a follow up, relegation that's bullshit. Right? So for for people who may not know. In the English soccer leagues, there is a punishment for being shitty. Not only do you have less losses or not less wins, not only do you have less fans, but they literally kick your ass out of the league. You you go to a lower league with shittier teams, and you've got to fight your way back into the uh, to the major leagues. I think that there are four different segments, and I know that only because I've been watching. Uh, Wexler on uh, Hulu uh, with Ryan Reynolds and whoever the hell the other guy is who bought that team, but. I don't – can they do – I mean, this is all just bullshit, right? Like that when he says that, when Adam Silver threatens, if you are, are going to tank, we might relegate you and bring up a G League team, that's not real. Yeah? I mean, there, there's no way they can actually do that. Like, and send them to the G League? I don't know. I mean, the, the, the soccer is the beautiful game, and you know I know about it. So three teams are relegated from the Premier League, and then they go down to the championship league which is the league below it which is the equivalent of going from the nba to the g league so the question is would you take the three nba teams with the worst records regardless of conference and send them to the g league and make them play a full season in the g league and then lift up the top three teams from the g league whoever won if it was you know ignite and santa cruz warriors obviously would be in the top three um and one other team so you know, like I, the concept is interesting, but I don't know how you make it work, given that the a bunch of the teams are actually just B teams of a current NBA franchise. Like, how could you have the Golden State Warriors and the Santa Cruz Warriors in the same league? There's no way they could do it. And, and let me, Eric, here's my first follow up to you. Am I wrong or did Marcus just first say I know a lot about soccer and then very clearly read something from a screen to tell us about those three teams? Because I don't feel like he knew that shit at all, and I feel like he looked it up before he decided. Well, I'll, I'll bust out my Chelsea gear if you want to get rid of I still won't, but you'll probably have just bought it and had it sent to your house. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? Is it possible? They're, they're, uh, can't uh, uh, down. No, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense, man. You'd have to – I mean, so I think the idea is funny that like, hey, this is like a – 
a silly punishment or a fun. I mean, silly is not the right word. It's a very serious punishment, but it just doesn't make sense with how the draft is conducted. Like what you're going to relegate someone and then give them the first overall pick. And then Victor is going to go to play in the fucking G league. Like it just doesn't make sense. Um, I think we can just like delete the Pacers um, from the NBA completely. (laughs) And I don't think anyone would notice. Um, You know what I think? I think Adam Silver screwed up by saying relegation, and here's what I mean. So, I mean, you know, they, he is – let me start that over. Obviously, it's bad for the league if teams are trying to, to quit. And Victor is so goddamn good that it's common yeah. knowledge that people are trying to lose games. So I understand what they're trying to do. But for him to come out and say we need a punishment and then come up with something that can't possibly happen, you know, he was like, the, we don't like tanking, and if they do it, we're going to throw them into a time vortex. You know, like you can't actually do the punishment that you've thrown out there means they have no punishment and the teams have no reason to not tank. You know, just if all it is is a verbal lashing, they can't stop this from going down. Bottom two teams don't get a first-round pick. How about that? Oh, like that. Like, like, if you're racing to the bottom, you don't get a pick. Like, I don't know. That's worse than relegation. Like, if you're horrible, you just stay horrible. Like, there shouldn't so, be a reward for being horrible. In 2022, that sounds like a phenomenal idea. Rewind this to about the early 90s. I'm like, no way, dude. Like, we'd, we'd be awful and we get no draft pick. We'd be yeah. awful forever. We would never come out of the awful vortex. You're looking at the Kings, man. <laughs> Or the since deleted pacers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, from what I could tell, Robert Sarver was a misogynistic racist and he didn't get kicked out, dude. Like, if you're just losing games, they probably won't throw you out of the league either. Like, I don't, I don't, and just the, the business portion of it. These, these teams are worth billions of dollars. They're not making a call being like, hey, good news. It's not worth that anymore. You know, you're playing in the G League now. And what the hell would they do with all the fans? They're going to G League games now? I've paid a, a season ticket holder package, and I'm showing up and watching them play the fucking Ignite? Like, no, man. That There's there's no way that's going to happen. They need to come up with a, a real punishment. You're not trying to see Sharif O'Neal and Scoot Henderson? No. And, by the way, Sharif O'Neal, I'd be hella angry at his dad if I was him. Like, if I went to the G League to get exposure, you know where I need to not be? Where Scoot Henderson is, dude. Like, go to a different team when they're all shitty and you, like, stand out. Why would you want to be there? I remember seeing a video of Victor uh, um, playing against Rudy Gobert, like, a year ago, two years ago. Have you seen this YouTube clip? Yeah. He looks like such a scrawny kid. I didn't know anything about him at the time. I didn't know how old he was other than it said 16-year-old plays, whatever, countrymen of um, Rudy Gobert. And I remember looking at it thinking, like, if this kid puts on weight, he could be a fucking problem. And now here we are. And I remember seeing him. I'm like, this guy looks incredible. Oh, he's he's French as well. And it's like, I wonder whatever happened to that kid. I was like, it's the same dude. Like, <laughs> blown away. I was like, holy shit, I saw this two years ago or whatever. Like, this is incredible. Like, this is really happening right now. That that front line, too. If yeah. if MB decides to play for France instead of the United States, their front line is Gobert, Embiid, and Victor Wimbanyama. Let's do it, man. That's exciting. <laughs> the the clip you're talking about, Eric, if I remember right, he gets cooked like three times. And the first two times, Gobert is is kind of involved, but not really. And it's a 17-year-old kid. He's an NBA player. He's not going to really engage himself, you know. But by the third one, like yeah. that scene in He Got Game where Ray Allen decided like, no, now I'm guarding Denzel. Yeah. Gobert goes out to guard him. But what he doesn't realize is that's Victor's fucking like that's what he wants. He wants you to yeah. come out and he got cooked a third time, you know, and uh, and that's when he was much younger. No, that 
when Benyama's future is, I mean, yeah. as long as it is is healthy, injury free, yeah. yeah, exactly right. I think it is going to be. No, uh, it's going to be hugely exciting for basketball, man. Really, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, Eric, thank you, man. I know this went longer than we promised. I know no, that we, we had a bunch of scheduling snafus that I screwed up, but I can't tell you how much I appreciated this and how much I enjoyed it, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, let's do it again. Fuck yes, we when are. You, uh, when you finally get rid of MT, let me know. I'll come. Yeah, no problem. We're trying, man. We're trying. I don't even know how you got the link. I'm doing everything I can, but it just keeps showing up. Uh, I am positive. I'm not the only one who needs far more air jet in their life. For those like me, where do they go, man? Uh, you can find us on Twitter at GSW Reddit for all your best memes and post game celebration videos. Um, come join us in the Reddit community, reddit.com slash r slash warriors. Um, join us there. Uh, share your content, read articles, hop in the conversation. Um, just be a Warriors fan and take in this amazing period of time that we're all basking in. This is the like the luckiest fucking time in the history of Warriors basketball. Years of suffering, decades of suffering. And uh, it's really exciting, man. So hop on board. That's absolutely right. Um, you don't have to tune out just so quickly. We got Bonte following. Uh, but after you've listened to that, you can remember that if you want to shoot us an email, get us a question, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job, you can shoot that email too. Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Hop on our YouTube channel. Hop on it. You'll see that on our Twitter account, which is at Warriors Huddle. Um, but I think you can literally just go onto YouTube and search Warriors Huddle and up we will pop with that in mind. Go Warriors! And hopefully, see you next week. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. It is my great pleasure to announce that rejoining me after way too long, the host of the Morning Roast on 95.7 The Game, the lead on the Warriors pre and post game coverage on NBC Sports Bay Area, and a longtime friend of this show who knows a good Inspector Gadget coat when he sees one, Mr. Bonte Hill. What's going on, Bonte? That is good Warriors pre and post game knowledge right there. That is very, very good. Especially Sazili had the go-go gadget jacket on. It looked pretty dapper. He was missing a hat. Um, but we, we had some fun with that for sure. So that's why I always appreciate you, Bram, even though I love dominating you. And the, this is the one place I could actually get some W's. Um, you know, I can't get W's around the house. I, can get, I can't get W's on the morning roast, but I can get W's against you. Wow. So I always love that. 
I mean, I go out of my way, a little bit of research, make sure to show you that I'm watching the show and appreciate it. And I don't even get any love for longer than like eight seconds, dude. We go right into your dominance on the prediction stuff. Uh, I loved the Inspector Gadget back and forth. And I loved even more that you guys had the picture ready to rock. That you know, And it was like the old school Nickelodeon Inspector oh, yeah. Gadget shot, which made me happy. How you doing, man? Um, back on TV? I'm good, man. It's good to have boots back. Yeah, but it's good to have hoops back. Don't the Warriors just make you smile? Yes. Like, I, I tweet about the Niners, and it's the most toxic experience I've ever had in my career. I mean, these two months of covering the 49ers this season, oh, my Lord, from the text lines to IG to Twitter, if you criticize the coach, there's a mob coming for you. If you criticize the quarterback, there's a mob coming for you. You just can't win talking 49er football. Uh, I get the Warriors – Twitter can be toxic at times. Just a winning program. They've done it. And they've got characters that just make you smile. You know, Stephen Curry leading the way. Like, it's just good to have basketball back, man. I missed it. Well, and the consistency of it. You know what I mean? So, like, oh, I take this shit too yeah. hard. You know that. They lose a game and I lose my mind. But yep. unlike something like football, where I got to wait for that next Sunday or if there's a bye week or, you know, we're talking 14 right. days. Right. Warriors hoop. I wait two days, sometimes just one, and it's right back yeah. in there, either something to celebrate or something to freak out about. But whatever it is, it, it's you know, constant. It's a consistent thing in my life. Mm -hmm. No, no doubt, man. It, it, it's, it's, it's a journey, too. 82-game journey where it starts in late October. And we all go through this grind where the dog days of the basketball season in January is going to come hit exactly. them and they're going to go on the slump and we're going to bring back the panic meter and people are going to be freaking out about this guy and that guy. And just a journey getting to the playoffs. And then once we get to the playoffs, it's go time. I love that stuff. This is why I love 162 in baseball. So I love 82 in the regular season. I get it. It's, it's long and some of the product is watered down. But like today's NBA, you've got so many young stars. You've got a plethora of young talent. Uh, in the league. Like, I'm even watching Orlando Magic games again because yeah. of oh, Paolo yeah. Bancaro. He's a nice young player who plays hard. Kane Cunningham and Ivy in uh, Detroit. I like what I saw from Keegan Murray out of Iowa for the Sacramento Kings. So the NBA is in a great place, and it's a good product where, whereas you look at the 49ers or you look at the NFL, there's a lot of bad football being played. Oh, yeah. A lot of bad football. So um, it, it, basketball is the best, man. It really is. I'm going to be more transparent with you than I want to be. So I got a little compliment on my sheet here. You know, we did that title pod. You were a big member of it. And I'll let you know that we had more than a few people write in and be like, oh, Bonte's take on the biggest moments of the season really impressed me. We had a couple of things. Also, I'll let you know that that section on my notes has been crossed out hella times from when you shithoused me. <laughs> so I don't know if this is actually me telling you. you well, know, what's my biggest what I want to tell you is that I'm well, trying well, to skip the compliment part. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. What was the biggest moment? What did I say for the biggest moment? You had like 50 of them. And it, and we unfortunately included um, uh, me saying, <laughs> do you have the, the schedule in front of you? Because I can't believe you named them all. So you not only had your shiny moment, you had me apparently praising that shiny moment which i mean if maxine was here i'd tell him terrible editing dude i mean just i mean these what they've nothing else always mike Monte uh, sound shitty but i tell you what man i got some questions here in front of us it's our golden questions yeah um all right and even before i get there you know what let me ask you this so the glass half full look back because we haven't heard from you for a while it's three games we're early in the season you know it, it's yeah. too uh soon to be drawn mm -hmm. any kind of major conclusions but Something you like or don't like from the beginning of this year? What do you got? All right, obviously the defense. We don't all like it. Um, 
We don't like the defense. Even a two and one defensively, um, it's a work in pro- progress. And that's always the case with young players. Young players, offensively, are they there? And I think offensively, Wiseman's there. And I'll get to him in just a second. But it's a defense. They've got to tighten it up. I don't know if it's a championship hangover. I don't know if it's the Japan trip. I don't know if it was the drama in the training camp. I don't know. I don't know what it is right now. But right now, they're lacking on that end. The defensive intensity. Give up 40 in the first quarter to Denver. You give up 71 to Sacramento in the first half, who are coming off a of back-to-back. Now, mind you, you score 89, which is crazy. If you're Sacramento, you're thinking, damn, we scored 71 points and we're down 18 points. <laughs> How's that happen? You know what I'm saying? So, but defensively, obviously, that's the number one thing right now for the Golden State Warriors. And they'll ramp it up. They'll get going soon on that defensive end. The one thing I love, not just like, I love the development of James Wiseman. Yeah. Now, he needs a lot of work on the defensive end, right? He needs to crash the glass a little bit better, close out, knowing where to be. That will come with playing time. <laughs> He's only played 42 regular season games now. That will come. However, screen setting also needs to be a little bit better, right? Because I've got to get more physical with setting those screens. But one thing I love about him is his offensive touch. He's around the basket. His hands is getting a lot, lot better. Um, he's finishing at the rim. He had his first four free throws against Sacramento. Um, the mid-range jumper, the floater, the touch. James Wiseman is going to be a problem exactly for right. second units coming no. off that bitch offensively. So uh, I, I love that development. And also, uh, since I always love to do this, I'm going to add in that Andrew Wiggins has picked up where he left off. We know Steph is Steph. I'll save that for another time. Andrew Wiggins is just continuing to what he uh, continuing on what he did uh, uh, in the NBA Finals, where he had that iconic Game Five, twenty six and thirteen, and big moments all throughout the series. So I love those two aspects of the Golden State Warriors early on. You know what the Wiseman take reminded me of, and I'm going to go way out on a limb here. It's going to be a random ass analogy. I'm going to need your support. If it doesn't land, I need you to make it seem like it landed. Yeah, but <laughs> so a while back, working yeah. at the office, and a guy here decides to build a new home. And they get this site up in like Healdsburg. I don't fucking mm-hmm. remember. Some area I'm not familiar with. And we go up because I had to. He was a boss and I kind of had to kiss his ass. And they show me the site before anything was built. And he's describing, here's where this is going to be. Here's where this is going to be. But you couldn't see it. You know, I mean, I understand what he's describing to me, but you couldn't actually see anything where, where things would go. That's what Wiseman has been up until this year. Then later on, man, he brought me back out there and the foundation's there now. I can see where they're going to put in the living room. I can see where the, you know, the right. pool house is. I mean, I can see how this thing is really right. going to get built out. That's Wiseman yeah. now. You know, he's not there yet. We, we still, yep. you know, there's still a lot of growth yep. to be done. But I can see where the promise is, which wasn't true, you know, even what, 24 months ago when he wasn't healthy. So right. I, I am with you. There's some real upsides there. Um, and I'm going to give you one more compliment now because I'm proud of that analogy. I feel like it did. Uh, <laughs> you was, may remember. It, it got me there. It was a good analogy. It's good. It's a solid one. And I could tell, I could tell just Not from your bad. facial expressions, you agreed. Here's the last compliment <laughs> I'm going to fucking give you. You and I have that beating Bonte segment. You may not remember. The first question was, is Jordan Poole going to sign before October 17th? You said yes. I said no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so go, I don't like baby. it. I don't Let's like it go. at all. I double checked it thinking it was the other way around, literally before you hopped on. And then when it was that way, <laughs> I was upset. I'm not even going to let you do a victory lap. Instead, uh, I'm going to bring us to our golden questions. Uh, here's our mailbag, man. And here's the first right. quote. Heading into the right. season, everyone was praising Golden State for being deep. Now... After a dookie muffin performance by the bench against Sacto, Warren's chicken little Twitter is saying the sky is falling and the team has no depth. Please, what is the truth? Is this team deep 
or do they have a bench problem? Before I throw it to you real fast, I love the phrase Dookie Muffin. I don't think I've ever heard that at any point yeah. in my life. That's, and that's something else. It, it's it's I mean, it's visceral. I can like taste it in my mouth. And then Warriors Chicken Little Twitter, another phrase I like, but that to the side. What do you think, man? Are they deep? Do they not have a bench? Where are you on this? Oh, they have a bench. This bench is going to score a brand. They're going to score at a high, high level. Um, now, can they get any stops? Now, you got to remember, Clay Thompson is still on a ministry restriction. Yep. We're going to see Clay Thompson play alongside Jordan Poole in that second unit at some point, which I think will allow Jordan Poole to cook even more and have a bit more spacing. Right now, teams are selling out on Jordan Poole with that second unit, and they're basically daring Dante DiVincenzo to shoot the rock. He's struggling early from the three-point line. Um, you, you look at Jermichael Green and where he fits. Not bad. Not bad. And then you got the youngsters in Jonathan Kuminga, Moses Moody, and, of course, James Weiss. So it's a work in progress. Yep. Can they sustain leads? Can they hold leads? It's going to take time. You're going to have to – So, but they are deep. They have a bunch of players to get you through a regular season. And in the playoffs, we all know the rotation is going to get shortened up exactly. to eight, nine men, and guys are going to be playing like Dre, Steph, Clay. They're going to be playing 38 minutes a night. Wiggins is going to be playing 38 minutes a night. So, look, they have a bench. They have a lot of talent, but it's young. It's going to take time. These guys need to play. And so the more they play, the better they will get. Um, so it's nothing to freak out about, especially in game number three. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean, of course, you're right, Bonte. Of course. So, you know, first, let's give them some objective numbers. There's a reason why you're using the phrase Dookie Muffin. Starters are plus 43. <laughs> Every other yeah. possible combination is minus 29. I know where you're coming from. But that said, yeah. just like Bonte pointed out, look, we're three games in and there's been major changes, man. They lost yeah. Bielitsa. They lost Otto Porter. They lost GP2. You know, they yep. add Jamichael Green. Yep. They add uh, DiVincenzo. In some ways, they kind of added Wiseman. So what we're talking right. about is brand new people who have to figure out where they mm -hmm. fit in, and then brand new roles for JK, brand new roles for Moody. If we Even if yep. we acknowledge that Wiseman was here, he's got to figure out. So should yep. it worry us that they didn't figure this shit out in three games? No, dude. It's, you know, it's, it's yeah. part of the show. And and curse specific Warriors general, they show that they can learn as the season goes on. Right. So that's exactly what's happening, man. No doubt. I think, you know, Steve Kerr mentioning after the Sacramento game that no, I was disappointed in the second unit for not being hungry enough to play. And that's one thing the youth has got to remember is like, look, they're not going to be starting. They're not going to be that star that you see around the league with these young players on bad teams like Apollo Bancaro, like a Ivy, like a like a Cunningham or whatnot. So they're going to play. Like, Keegan Murray's going to play a lot of minutes for the Sacramento Kings. You're in a championship team. Those minutes are just not there. So you got to stay ready when your number is called. And not all times, young players, look, it's going to happen. If you're 20 years old playing on the Golden State Warriors, your attention drips. It's going to happen. Yep. They're learning how to be professionals as well as uh, high-level basketball players in this high-level system to where you got to move the ball. You got to scream. You got to know where to be. It's got to be instinctual. So um, I – I'm not going to panic yet. Let's see it for 20 games. After 20 games, if the plus minuses are still leaning towards the minuses and they're, you know, a minus 123 instead of minus 23, then we have a different conversation. Now, all of a sudden, we got to talk and say, okay, what's really going on? But until Clay Thompson gets his minutes bumped up because he's going to play with that unit, and until we see consistent roles carved out, it's going to be a work in progress. But I think I early on, I like to focus on the positives while winning. Wiseman looks like a dude offensively. Exactly. Jordan Poole 
is being a playmaker. He has 20 assists so far through three games. All right? He's going to be fine. And then we figure out whether Kaminga or Moody or D. Vincenzo or Jermichael Green are going to be mainstays. And I think Jermichael Green will be a mainstay because he's a veteran. So it's too early to freak out about anything when it comes to basketball. We see Steve Kerr's influences all the time, right? And we talk, you know, Popovich, yeah. Phil Jackson. And last night, I thought he had an opportunity to show one of the two. Yeah. Phil mm-hmm. Jackson liked to let his players learn through negative experience. Popovich just yeah. wanted the fucking win. You know, so last oh. night, the, the second unit looked shitty and Kerr went Popovich. He didn't let him learn. Yeah. He pulled him the fuck out. It was like, no, we are winning this game. You know, yeah. whereas you can see Phil Jackson be like, okay, you guys got yourself in this mess. You know, let's let's see if you can get it out. If it was you, just your personality type, if you were coaching, would you have let the youngsters, you know, maybe they take a couple bumps and maybe they 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 lose a game they're up by 18 in, or is it the right Ooh. move? You know, let's let's get that win yeah. and, and get the hell out of Dodge. Get the win. Get the win. It looks bad if you blow a lead like that against the Sacramento Keys coming off back to back and getting beat by the Clippers at home. You cannot lose that game. Right. Um, I thought Kerr did what he could to let the young players try to play through it. Now, on the flip side, it's tough because you you insert the starters back into the game and they miss 11 straight shots in the fourth quarter. Right. You know, and they give up a 51 run. And it's understandable because they're out of rhythm. They thought their night was done. They've got ice on knees. They're thinking about dinner plans or what they're going to do at home, what movie they're going to watch. Are they going to wake up the kids at night? You know what I'm saying? So uh, <laughs> that's a tough situation for the starters. So, I think Kerr did what he needed to do get the win. I agree with that philosophy. But I do think at the same time, he tried to let his youngsters play through it. And it was a great learning lesson. So today in the film room, it's going to be great for them to learn saying, oh, okay, these these minutes have to be earned, not given. Nothing's guaranteed. And I think Jonathan Kaminga has learned that right away by not being inserted in the game in the second half against Denver, by not coming off the bench in the first half. Like he's learning on the fly, like, oh boy, I got to do something different to get on the court. So... I love that philosophy about Steve Kerr. Let him play, but hold on. We need to win this game. Get the win. They Hell lose yes. against Sacramento. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Our timelines are dumpster fires. <laughs> All right, here's what I'm really excited for. Quote, what do Bonte and the boys talk about during commercial breaks? So I'm assuming they're talking about the NBC <laughs> Sports Bay Area stuff, yeah? So you guys go to, you know, you have the open, you go to commercial. You're, I would imagine you're all still sitting in studio waiting to to come back. Are you just watching the games? Is there back and forth? What, what happens between yeah. the times we see you guys? Yeah, that's funny, man. Behind the scenes, man. We're, we're watching hoops, and we're talking about games, and Mully may be running some material on some stories. Festus is asking questions. But we all watch the game together, which, you know, I, I, I think is right. Now, I don't know if every other anchor does that because every other anchor wants to, you know, take their notes quietly. Like, I, I don't know how that works. I take my notes there. We point things out at the same time. We're like, Molly be like, yo, that clip right there, I want to see that. I get to the producer, Asaki. Molly wants to see this. Wiggins hit the three here, 74-61, or Curry hits the three, 74-61. Let's get that clip with that ball movement right there, that one possession. And so we're always talking basketball. We're talking about the league. Sometimes we're talking about life. Like, you know, sometimes uh, Anna and my daughter may call her. I'll FaceTime them, and my daughter's on the FaceTime screen, Uh and Molly's like, yo, let me see that. So we're kicking it like we're at the bar. You know what I'm saying? We're kicking it. Like you, know, like you and I, if we watched the game together, we'd be talking smack and like with your boys or whatnot. And that's how we watch the game. Yeah, it's pretty that. cool, man. So we're just chilling. We're just chilling. All right. Two quick follow-ups. Yeah. The first, and I'm going to be, yeah. you know, continue to be transparent with you. Here's number one. 
I will, before I drop takes on the podcast, I'll run them by friends. I won't say like, I'm getting ready mm-hmm. to say this, but I'll come up with something and then I'll float it out, see what their reaction is, you know? And if it goes, well, fuck, it'll find its way right. to a microphone. Yeah. Do you do right. that at all between takes? Do you see something, float something out to Molly or Festus, see how they react. And then if it goes well, do you put it into the mic? Not really, because I'm more of an organic guy and that's a, gift and a curse, right? Sometimes it can go awry live on set, right? You're like, oh, I didn't get any laughs on that one. Oh, they weren't feeling that. Let's keep it moving, right? right. Um, but I, I never try to just try out material or ask them a question, but we'll have a topic. We'll be like, okay, we definitely have to talk about that. That's going to be a talking point. And a great thing is our producer, Jonathan Sackby, is along with David Tedlin, and Flo and David and Dan Dempster, like those guys know how we think and they're thinking the same thing. And so as we're building the show, watching the game, we're just adding things. Yo, what's up with that? Or if we want to do something funny like we did last night on the L.A. Lakers where we're mulling it over and it's like, yo, let's get on the L.A. Lakers. Yep. You yep. see this crap? Look, watch this video. And so that's basically how we roll roll with that one. Um, but I have my bullet points and I'm like, all right, we're, we're going to roll with this. But I never tell them anything. Yep. I never try to, like, give them a hint or anything. I like to get their natural reaction. Same thing on the radio show with Joe Shasky. I try to get his – I try not to talk sports with him before the show. Um so I don't get his takes. I try to have him say, even though he's got a, a, a full clip of takes, I like to get it, have it come out organically yeah. or I'll throw something at him organically on a year. Like we're talking about Christian McCaffrey. And I'm like, what do you think about him? What did they trade for him? And you start getting that conversation in motion live and organically. That's the best way to do things in my opinion. You bastard. I mean, I'm over here bearing my soul, telling you I'm trying out shit, and you've told me three different That's ways. Fine. Oh no, I just come off the cuff. No, I'm just that. No, I'm just no, bad, no, talented. No, it's know, easy hey, for me. Hey, hey, man. Hey, no, 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 no. It's okay. No, no. I, I, I get it. I get it. I just, you know, we see so much prepackaged, and not to say you're prepackaged because I don't believe you are. You're you're preparing a podcast. You have questions. You got some fun things to do. I love it. I actually love this podcast for that. Um, but when you look around nationally. Uh, and you see so many scripted shows, yeah. and it's just like, ah, really? No, That's what you're right. doing? Uh, of course you know? you're right. All right, one last transparent one, another one I'll admit, all right? So if I'm watching the game with them, and shit, dude, I do this with you. If I'm watching yeah. the game in there with Molly, and I'm watching it with Festus or D-Wright, I'm going to try to come up with a couple of things to impress them. Not not the whole time, but you know, a couple observations right. here or there, like, oh, right. they need to take me seriously. Right. Does that happen still with you, or are you going to tell me, no, I'm off the cuff, and it's too easy for me? No, we we just kind of have a conversation, and I feel like, and I feel like, with NBA players, because I kind of learned this when I worked at Cows Comedy Club when I was coming up in the game, you know, late two late two uh, thousands, early you know twenty tens, where big name people or, or like comedians or athletes, they don't like it when people do too much or try to impress them because they've seen everything. Yeah, they're millionaires. You know what I'm saying? Brand, their bank accounts look a lot different than our bank accounts. Not to count their money, but they've seen and done things that we can only imagine of doing, right? <laughs> Invites, private parties, whatever. We will never get that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> They're in different stratosphere. So, like, there's nothing, I feel like there's nothing I can do to impress them. But when Fester's like, okay, I'll see you in Jays, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He comes with me in my shoes. Like, yeah. you just can't keep up with them. There's nothing you can do to impress them. The best thing to do around players like that, and I've learned this throughout the course of my career, is just be yourself. Just be yourself. 
And if you be yourself, they're going to respect you a hell of a lot more than trying to impress them or trying to get them to laugh or trying to do things. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I, I think that's the best way to, to go about our business, especially, you know, with the guy like Willie, who's in the Hall of Fame for crying out loud, in the Basketball Hall of Fame, original hey, member of the Dream Team. You're telling me this as if Molly and I aren't best friends. I know the, the direct, <laughs> you know, the, the line yeah. to Molly's heart. You don't have to bring me no. into there. Back to you know, Molly, Molly, Molly does bring up the fact that he was like, hey, man. Who's the guy with Shasky who basically shit on himself when I put my hand out to him? And, I was and, like, then, oh, that's and then we became best friends. I'll have you know, <laughs> fake news. Anyone else listening? Just know that's fake news. Complete bullshit. And we'll be moving to this next question. Uh, quote, Curry is 22 of 22 from the free throw line. Please yeah. ask the prediction master. How many will he make before he misses one? I'm sure they're not referring to you as the prediction master, but I'm still going to throw it to you. <laughs> He's made 22 so far. What do you think, man? Where's the streak end? Gonna miss his 49th free throw going for 50 in a row. Oh, brutal. So I'll take 51 just to make you a hater and say he does get to, <laughs> does get to 50. Yeah. Uh, this All next right. one comes from mutual friend, both your personal friend and friend of the podcast, Kareth Burke. Quote, how does he do the night TV slash morning radio schedule? I'm not trying to kiss any ass here. It's truly difficult. What's his nap, meals, and research schedule? To make this work, you don't have to break down wow. the, uh, you know, the the full twenty four hour how you get ready for this. But how brutal is right. it? How tired are you, man? How nasty is it when you're actually on? Um, there? Uh, I think it looks nastier on paper than it actually is. So, you know, obviously after a game, it's tough to go to sleep because you're buzzing off the game, yeah, especially if something happens. You're like, damn, I got to get to sleep. So my thing is like, let me get six hours. Um, let me get five and a half to six hours. I'll be ready to go. Um, and then you get to that show and the show writes itself after a game. You know what I'm saying? That's the great thing about it. It writes itself. So you get to the show, take some calls, talking to Shasky. He's looking at what he's breaking down. We're all breaking it down and boom, three hours fly by. And then after that, you know, especially Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays where baby Chaz is being babysat by her, uh, by her grandparents. I'm able to come home, get a quick jog in quick treadmill workout oh. for about an hour and it take a nice little hour and a half, two hour nap. Nice. Then you get up and say it's about one o'clock knowing that I have to pick up baby chairs around three to four. Those next two hours is having to research. Okay. Who are the Warriors playing? How are they looking? Um, it, you know, what's the trends with this team? How many, how did the Warriors do against them last year? So that's when all the reading and all the research goes on. And then when I'm driving, driving now, I love to play music when I'm driving. But now with the insane schedule, yep. I'm playing a lot of press conferences in my car. With, with Steve Kersey. Yeah, Warriors Huddle. Yeah, I got Warriors Huddle. It's up there. It's up there, especially when I'm on there. It gets heavy plays. We put in a repeat. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, we, we listen to the pressers in the car. I listen to the pressers in the car. I read a lot. You know, I'm, I have alerts from every Warriors insider, whether it's Karen Burke, Anthony Slater, Kendra Andrews. Um, um, we have – uh, all the beats, CJ Home, all everybody, like yeah. TK, Marcus Times, all their alerts get to my phone in case I miss something so I can see, okay, this is what they're talking about. Let me go back into that. So, And then whenever I'm looking at my phone, we're always constantly reading something sports-related. At least I am, right? You know what I'm saying? We're always looking at stats. We're always looking at scores. And then at night, knowing that, okay, I got the morning show, on days I don't have to work, I get to bed about 8.30, so I get that full eight hours, and I'm fresh for the next day, and then get that nap in between the show and the telecast. So um, it's an insane schedule. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do it, uh, but I feel fresh, man. After two years, I feel very, very fresh. 
and I've been able to manage it, you know, managing the back-to-backs, managing the short nights, the quick turnarounds, and then the East Coast games. Those are the ones that kill me. You know, people are always like, oh, man, it's an early game. You must feel great. I'm like, no, actually, I don't because I just got off the show at 9 o'clock. Right. We got to be in studio. If there's a 4 o'clock game, we're on air at 3 o'clock. It's a quick turnaround. Hell, what do I do? What do I do? How am I going to do this? So you got to find the time to put in a work, and there's a lot of work, but um, there's the will, there's a way. And just schedule it out. As long as you stay organized and stay consistent, um, it's easy to manage. It's very easy to manage. But um, it, it, it's, you know, is it ideal? No. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, the day I fall asleep on air is the day maybe they need to pull me off one of these shows. <laughs> but but you know, not to be too long-winded, but it's an organized chaos. And I organize my schedule and I put in time for me to do what I got to do. I build in the family time. We have our days. We have our nights. Um, we're able to watch our shows. But also, we're sports fanatics. So the Warriors are playing the Suns. We're pro- Odds are we probably already watched them because yep. we want to scout that team. That's how sick we are, right? We're going to be watching the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to be watching the L.A. Lakers lose every single sure. game. We're going to watch the Clippers because they're going to be a threat. We're going to pay attention to Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets and their trends. So... Um, the research parts to me, like we're all insane. We remember stuff from way back when, right? Our memories, our recall is second to none. So you and I, I think we have a disease when it comes to remembering the good times and the bad times when we go to State yep. Warriors or remembering numbers. Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll add this, my last bad analogy for the day. You watch a quarterback year one and a quarterback year three. Sometimes their talent doesn't change but the way that they can weaponize their talent changes, you know, mm-hmm. the, the shit slows mm-hmm. down around them. And now their preparation, right. they can see how they can use it and drop it off. Bonte, I'm seeing this. Right. You can see it. I can see yeah. it on air. You were, you're a good one. You started, you know, for sure. But now you can tell this whole thing is fucking slowed down. You feel real comfortable up mm-hmm. there and you're kicking ass. Man. Um, and we'll erase that. this so that the, you know, the audience, is <laughs> there, but it is out there. Our final yeah. question. All right. Give me one reason the Warriors can win it all, and one reason they might not be able to. Ooh, well, one reason they can win it all is because they've done it before, right? And they've added talent to their roster. Um, Wiggins is going to be better. Poole's going to be better. They have the championship core. They've been there, done that before. Yep. Um, and in the West, is there any daunting challenges? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. they, they can do that in a seven-game series. They know what they need to do. And so – Having this youthful experiment, this youthful uh, movement here with Wiseman, Kuminga, and Moody, getting them up to speed, and then have Steph Curry there. They've been in every single situation in the NBA playoffs. They've been the road team. They haven't had home court advantage. They've had home court advantage. They've been down 2-1. They've been down 3-1. They've come back from 3-1. They've won 3-1 leads. Like, they, they've done it all in the playoffs. So they've been there, done that, and that experience is not going anywhere. So – they were ahead of your schedule, a year ahead of schedule last year, yep. winning that championship. They may have overachieved last year. And so now having that championship and having that fourth banner um, is going to do wonders for them mentally. The reason why they can't win it is because the young talent hasn't picked it up defensively. And all of a sudden, Clay and Draymond and Steph get old overnight, right? All of a sudden, Steph's not shooting 44% from the three-point line. All of a sudden, Clay Thompson doesn't have his legs back. All of a sudden, Draymond deals with injuries or the contract situation. Wiggins all of a sudden just turns into a pumpkin, which I don't see happening coming off of his year where he was an all-star starter. Looney all of a sudden is not healthy. Um, Even though he played eight games last year, maybe Looney doesn't have the same impact. I doubt that. Looney's picked up where he left off last season. So, um, look, if they're healthy, I truly believe they're going to go back to back. But 
if they're healthy and the youngsters don't pick up the defensive concepts and they're struggling 20 games in, 30 games in, 40 games in, then maybe there's a problem there and maybe they can't get past the Clippers team that is deep. Or maybe they can't get past the Nuggets team that is deep. And maybe they don't have the same defensive intensity. And all of a sudden we look back and say, damn it, they shouldn't have let GP2 go. Damn it, they shouldn't have let Otto Porter Jr. go. But we're not there yet. So uh, there's a lot of things that can happen. And look, this league, I think, is very, very talented. Milwaukee and Giannis and Chris Middleton, when he gets right, they're tough. Um, Brooklyn, say what we want about the Brooklyn Nets. They're still uber talented. Yep. <laughs> They've got a ton of talent. Yep. And they got a dude by the name of Kevin Durant, who's the cold-blooded killer. The Boston Celtics aren't going anywhere. Miami Heat's tough. So um, if they don't win, they're going to knock on uh, – maybe they just get beat. I find, that, I find that hard to believe. But it would have to be the youthful experience, uh, the youthful uh, trio of Wiseman, Kuminga, and Moody not developing uh, to the point to where Kerr can't play them in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, they're going seven deep, and you may be wearing these dudes down. So uh, it's going to be very interesting, Bram. Long-winded answer, I know, but a lot can happen in terms of them not winning. And health, I think, is the biggest one. Dude, it's an important answer. Everything you said is on the money. The fastest version of what you just said is the returning champs are better. They are. I mean, I, I genuinely believe that, but... The returning champs also still need to gel all these new pieces together. Yep. They still need to figure yep. out how that second unit can string together stops. That's going to take time. Course, That's going to take time. And and we've seen on multiple occasions in multiple different ways that Kerr is not in a fucking hurry to figure. Like he will tinker, yeah. figure out the mm-hmm. lineups as is, and if it means dropping a couple of regular season games and having some weird plus minuses, it's what it means. But you can yeah. trust this team to figure this shit out. They have. Yep. Every other yep. occasion, they will this time too. Yep, yep, no doubt, no doubt, man, no doubt. So, though, I think they'll be fine. We're spoiled out here in the Bay, and deservedly so. Um, the Warriors have come a long, long way as a franchise, and to see them be the gold standard of the NBA um, is just truly remarkable, man. And so, you know, enjoy every minute of Steph, enjoy every second of Clay, enjoy everything with Draymond Green. This could be the last ride for Draymond Green. We don't know. Is it the last ride period or the last dance, as everybody's trying to say? No, because Steph's not going anywhere. Clay's not going anywhere. Wiggins is not going anywhere. But enjoy this journey. 82 games. Isn't it fun to watch the Warriors win and try to develop young, crazy talent like Wiseman, Kaminga, Booty, and Jordan Poole? The future's bright and go to stay. It's bright, man. Enjoy it. Don't freak out after three games, folks. It's okay. I was watching, I don't know if you watched this yet, but the Tim Donahue documentary on Netflix, which is oh, bananas. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. And a conversation <laughs> you and I need to have off air and, and is incredible. But during that, there's a there's a montage. Donahue is talking about how the NBA likes to only call fouls against non-stars and stars you kind of let go. Yeah. And then they have that a really fast clip of Sean Kemp shitting all over Liston and then doing the the finger guns at him as he went the other side. And it was this it was this really quick reminder of who this team used to be, you know, like who we yeah. used to root for, man. Like when there was right. highlights, it was us on the ground catching finger yeah. guns after getting shit on. Yep. So we're in a much better yep. place. Bonte, missed you. You know missed I look forward you, to man. these, man. It's great to have you back on. For yeah. Great question from Carrot, man. Well, Carrot Burt got a question in. Oh, wow, yeah. the great KB. I was, about uh, being a professional. I was honored. Was honored to have her be a part of the mailbag. And for people who want to get a question in front of you or hear more Bonte Hill or just get more Hill in their life, where do they go? Yeah, well, go on Twitter at Bonte Hill at your own risk. I always say that. 95.7 the game. You can follow me there. I'm all over the place on Instagram. But I got to say, Carrot Burt, the great KB. You want to talk about a professional. 
talk about a person who doesn't uh, 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 flinch in front of the camera. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Such a pro. <laughs> the last time we had her on, I was nervous and flubbed like three questions in a row. And she had the kind of calm demeanor of like a kindergarten teacher, like, no, you'll be fine. You know, we'll get through this together. We miss oh KB. We need to, uh, yeah, we need to yeah, get her no back doubt. on here, man. We no doubt. appreciate you, Monte. Get out of here, man. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, Bram, always a pleasure, man. We'll do it again soon. Can't wait to see you at Chase Center, man. Always a pleasure. Warriors are back, baby. Warriors are back. Let's go. Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.